Save Generation X, the trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I am Zabe, the host of the show, and I am very excited to be back with our third format of the show that we have recently added to the podcast. It's a short version of the podcast that we release in between regular episodes of the show and the home games, where it's just the listeners versus the podcast to see how many points you can get. No prizes or ranks, just a quick minigame to satisfy the nostalgic itch for the pop culture of Generation X. We will also use this time to solve power struggles from previous episodes, as well as giving you a chance to help save Generation X from being forgotten in a special guest host segment of the show. To refresh your memory, here is the power struggle we are going to be solving at the end of the episode. who ride a tat no buglers who root a toot toot. Don't let me see another toy, or you will feel my boot. Not a finger! Well, sir, someday I'd like to be a, a dentist. Do you remember where these five Gen X clips are from? Stay tuned to hear the answers at the end of the show. But for now, let's get right to the game that we call Who Will Save Generation X? Challenging Stage. Here's how the game works. We will have three fast-paced rounds of games to play and score points. In round three, we'll have a special guest host take over the show and quiz me for five questions. If you can get more questions correct than I can, then you're invited to use our website answer machine system to mock me endlessly. You are physically repulsive, vulgar, insensitive, selfish, stupid. You have no taste, a lousy sense of humor, and you smell. Or better yet, use that answer machine to call in and take over as host for a moment and ask me trivia questions that we can use on an upcoming episode. Just go to our website and click on that blue microphone icon and leave us a trivia question. It's 100% free to use, and it can be accessed from any device that has an internet connection and a microphone. We would love to hear your voice on the show. So let's get going and save Generation X from being forgotten. Round one. Round one is a game we call Second Guessing. Here's how we play. I will play one second of a popular song from Generation X, and you must guess the title and artist of the song. The judges have selected a recognizable one-second clip of some part of a song for you to listen to, so it's not necessarily the first second of the song, but it could be. There are three songs in total, and you will be awarded one point for artist and one point for title, for a total of six points available in the round. I'll play each clip twice and then give me your answer. Here we go. Let's start off with something really easy and get a little more difficult as we go. Song one is from 1981, and it is a synth-pop new wave song, according to Google. Artisan title of this hit song that you've heard a million times. Here it is one more time. Listen closely. The correct answer for this one you probably got was Tainted Love by the band Soft Cell. Soft Cell. 
Here's your fun fact. Many people may not know that Tainted Love was actually a cover of a 1964 song by singer Gloria Jones. The song was their biggest hit off their debut album called Nonstop Erotic Cabaret. Side note, my first ever email address was indeed nonstoperoticcabaret at AOL.com. Song two is from 1982, and it is a new wave song as well. But according to the band, they would call it a protest punk song. Here's one second of it. Here's another listen to this one second clip. Listen up. The correct answer is The Safety Dance by the band Men Without Hats. We can dance if we want to. We can leave your friends behind. Because your friends don't dance. And if they don't dance, well, they're no friends of mine. I say we can go where we want to. A place where they will never find. And we can act like we come from out of this world. Leave the real one far behind. And we can dance. The Safety Dance is a protest song that many music fans have often interpreted as a metaphor for nuclear war or a call for safe sex. Men without hats, safe sex. Do I got to spell it out for you? Nuts, nuts, no, no, I ain't saying them all. However, lead singer Ivan Dorschuk said that the specific inspiration was bouncers hassling people in bars who would go pogo dance to the new wave songs of the early 80s. Said Ivan, quote, I was telling people that it's okay to slam dance if you want to. Personally, I think it's still about safe sex. Wear your hats, men. When the time has come and the moment is right, remember, use Ramsey's Extra condoms. We We do. do. Ramsey's Extra, because caring means all the protection you can get. I looked fat. No, no, I liked it, Rianne. George? Yes, sir. Home. Out. But, sir, I... George, I got a gun. Yes, sir. Hey, what's with you, Rod? She was great. She looked beautiful. Yeah, I liked it. She made me want to go out and buy rubbers right now. No. And finally, Song 3 is from 1986, and it is listed as an alternative indie pop song, according to Google, which I disagree with personally. So I guess that's not really any help at all here. Glad I mentioned it. But if you missed this one, then you might lose some Gen X cred. Artist entitled to this song right here. And here's your second listen. Did you get this one? The song is called West End Girls by the band Pet Shop Boys. Fun fact, in 1983, songwriter Neil Tennant met producer Bobby Orlando, who offered to produce the band's debut album, which included West End Girls. The original single for West End Girls sounded very different than the one we all know and love today. The Bobby Orlando produced version of the single also included a forgotten lyric about Joseph Stalin, quote, all your stopping Stalin and starting. Who do you think you are? Joe Stalin? You got a heart of glass or a heart of stone. Just you wait. 
till I get you home All your stopping, stalling and starting Who do you think you are, Joe Stalin? Sometimes you're better off dead There's a gun in your hand, it's pointing at your head However, it was removed for the more famous 1985 version. Orlando loved the song's production and had hoped to make a rap record in a British accent. However, we all know British people cannot rap. Look at your makeup, look at your clothes. By the way, you've got a big nose. Hey, two British listeners. If you think you were going to stop making these lame jokes without hearing from you, then you're sorely mistaken. All we want is an email telling us how the show sounds in England and we'll stop. Just don't send it to nonstop erotic cabaret at AOL.com because now it's who will save Gen X at gmail.com. Okay, that's a lot for that song. Let's move on to round two. Round two. Round two of this episode is our spotlight trivia round. We will dive into one Gen X topic to quiz you on. The spotlight topic for this episode is the 1989 groundbreaking comic book movie starring Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. That's right, we're talking about Batman. Tim Burton famously directed the superhero classic with music by the great Danny Elfman. It was a critical and commercial success and the top grossing movie of 1989, which is no small feat considering that it was the same year that Back to the Future 2, Lethal Weapon 2, and the third and final Indiana Jones movie came out, which of course was The Last Crusade. Let's get to the trivia. Each complete correct answer is worth two points if you know it outright, but if you need the hint or multiple choice, then it is worth only one point. I'll ask the questions and then circle back with the answers at the end of the round. Good luck! Question number one. In the movie, the Joker uses hygiene products to kill citizens of Gotham City. What does the Joker say is the secret ingredient in Joker products? If you know it right now, it's worth two points, but here are your multiple choice options for one point. Is it A? Smile Tech, B. Smile X, C. Smikewill, D. Smilenol, or is it E. Calgon? We need more Calgon. Ancient Chinese secret, huh? Question number two. The Joker has a tagline that he uses before he shoots his prey. What is the end of this famous line by Joker? Ever dance with the devil in the blank blank? Here's a clue that will score you only one point if you need it to get the correct answer. Your clue is, it rhymes with Schmale Schmoonlight. Question number three. This one is simply, how many people die by using the hygiene products tainted by the Joker's secret ingredient? Is it A, 13 people? B, 23 people? C, 43 people? Or is it D, 69. 69, dudes. People, two points if you know it right now. But here's your clue for one point. The hint is that out of the million people that live in Gotham City that use hygiene products, any of these options would still be a relatively small number for the unlucky few that died from the Joker products. Question number four. What is the Joker's real name in this movie? If you can remember his name right now, it is worth two points. But for one point, here are your multiple choice options. Is it A, Aubrey Gibbs, B, Arthur Fleck, C, Jack Napier, D, Jack White, or is it E, Meg White? And finally, question number five. Harvey Dent was the DA in Gotham City. Which actor played Harvey Dent in the movie? 
two points if you can remember this legendary actor right now. But for one point, here are your multiple choice options. Is it A, Samuel L. Jackson? B, Billy D. Williams? C, Danny Glover? D, Mario Van Peebles? Or is it E, Gary Coleman? What you talking about? Now that you've had a little time to think about the questions, here are the answers. What does the Joker say is the secret ingredient in Joker products? The correct answer is option B, Smilex. In the original script, they called it Smilinol, which is much more clever than it was known in the comic books, which is Joker Venom. One of the rare times the movies came up with something more creative than the comics. Go, go, go with a smile. What is the end of the famous line by the Joker? Ever dance with the devil in the blank blank? The whole phrase is, you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? Pale moonlight is the correct answer. The Joker says he just likes the sound of it and says it to all of his prey. But we watched the movie and he never says it in the movie to anyone other than Bruce Wayne and his parents. You can't say something twice and then call it a catchphrase. You need to use it over and over, almost until people are sick of hearing it before you can claim it as something that you're known for. I'd say our two British listeners would put that number at around 69 times. <laughs> Question three was, how many people die from Smilex? If you picked up on our clue of the unlucky few that died from Smilex, then you figured out that it was unlucky 13. Option A was the correct answer. A body count of 13 is pretty weak, considering the Joker is an unhinged psychopath. I mean, 12 characters die in that movie Secret of Nim, and that was an animated movie for children. Why have you come? My son's life is in great danger. The plow has come early this year. I wouldn't move, but Timothy has pneumonia. He can't even get out of bed. But then again, that movie did actively try to scar a generation of kids, so... Maybe that's a poor example, but you get what I'm trying to say here. Okay, moving on to question four. What was the Joker's real name in the movie? The answer is option C, Jack Napier. The Joker is portrayed as a gangster named Jack Napier before he falls into a vat of chemicals and becomes the iconic villain. The character's real name has been a topic of debate among comic book fans for years with various iterations and retelling of the Joker's origin story. However, in this particular movie, Jack Napier is the name given to the man who would become the Joker. Option B, Arthur Fleck was the name used in the most recent Joker movie with Joaquin Phoenix. And in the comics, they officially gave the Joker the name of option D, Jack White. Option A, Aubrey Gibbs, is a name that I just completely made up, and it is a fictional name that does not reflect anyone living or dead, nor is it intended to represent a person who shares similar qualities that with the Joker from this movie. Okay, with that out of the way, let's go on to our final question in the round. Which actor played District Attorney Harvey Dent in this movie? The correct answer, of course, is option B, the great and wonderful Billy D. Williams. Hello, what have we here? The character of Harvey Dent later becomes the villain Two-Face in Batman Forever, the sequel to this movie. Billy D. Williams signed a contract with a clause that he was to play Two-Face in the sequel. Unfortunately, the producers wanted Tommy Lee Jones and bought out Williams' contract and didn't let him continue in the series. It's sad that he cannot be in the sequel, but something tells me Billy D. Williams knows how to cheer up Billy D. Williams. Well, I've got it down to a science. Now, first you get yourself into the right clothes. And then you get cult 45. Now, make sure you got enough for you and that someone special. And then you get yourself to a good time place. <sighs> the rest is easy. 
Hello, hello, hello. Next, we move on to round three and have one of our listeners guest host the show and ask us some trivia questions. But before we do that, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. Stay tuned for more of Love Connection. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. If you would like to try your hand at guest hosting the next segment and share your trivia knowledge of the fun things of Generation X, then send the judges an email at whowillsavegenx at gmail.com or for faster results, you can just go to our website at whowillsavegenx.com and leave us a voicemail. Just tap on that blue microphone icon on the lower right part of your screen and leave us a message. It's free to use and your voice and trivia questions might be used on an upcoming episode. We look forward to hearing your voice on the show. Thanks. So who's I'm the guy who normally asks the questions, but in this segment, we're going to turn things around and have one of our listeners ask the questions to see if I can do my part to save Generation X. Our special guest host of this episode is a best friend of mine for the past 37 years and was the very first guest we ever had on the podcast and the winner of the very first round we ever played on the show. However, hey, let's just stop there. Let's just stop there. <laughs> we don't need to go on. We can just However, stop. too bad he ended up losing that game badly. Please welcome the guest host for this episode, Mike. Hey, Mike. Thanks for helping <laughs> us save Gen X as both a player and a guest host. Welcome back. Thank you. And since I did lose to my twin, it's basically like I won. So let's not dwell on the past. Basically like you won, except for the fact that you lost. So if you change the facts of reality, it doesn't matter. Is that what you're saying? That's right. That's okay, right. All right. That checks out. <laughs> Judges? All right. Okay. Word. Sweet. Uh, but Dave, I, I will have to say, having been at the forefront of this podcast at the beginning and it, the initial phases of it, it's super, super exciting to see where this has gone and how, how big it's become and, you know, how much fun you have on it. I mean, you know, I, I listened, I re-listened to the podcast a few weeks ago and the the guests were, let's say, uh, a low bar for the rest of the, rest <laughs> of the podcast, but we had fun. 
but to hear it today and how much you know you put into it it's just been amazing so kudos to you thanks man yeah we've come a long way i think adding robin onto the show writing a lot of the questions it, it's really elevated the uh the class of the show <laughs> we we fumbled our way through the first few episodes and slowly we found our way and and we can continue to evolve i mean we're gonna we might look back to this episode two years from now and say hey remember when you were on the show and how crappy that was <laughs> how your computer crashed three times <laughs> that's off stage stuff we don't talk about that we're gonna cut right. that part of the show but Mike, I see that you have your daughter, Aubrey, there with you. What's going on with that? Hey, you know, um, I'm trying to do my part to save Generation X uh, with the future generations. So my daughter is here and I thought, hey, what better way to do that than have her ask you a few questions as well? So you're saying that we have a guest host for the guest host? The guest host for the guest host. That's right. This is some sort of like meta Inception style podcasting. I like it. <laughs> She's excited to be here. Welcome, oh, Aubrey. It's nice to have you here. I know that you're uh, 16 and that makes you Gen Z, but do you have any Gen X credentials that you can share with us so we can allow you to stay on the show? That's kind of how this works if you're not familiar. Okay. Yeah. I listen to the podcast with my dad in the car sometimes. I haven't followed. So like that gives me some brownie points. I have a playlist of like 70s and 80s songs I listen to. I don't know if that counts. Well, it's not for me to decide. What kind of 70s, 80s music? What, what are we talking about? We're talking... We have some... some bands. We have OMD, Smiths, Oingo Boingo, Cure. It's on your shirt, so... <laughs> <laughs> you've got, you've got uh, ABBA. Yeah. Um, there's... Uh... Okay, hold on, hold on. Just quit while you're ahead. We'll leave the ABBA part out. But you had two of the three of the holy trinity of music with the Smiths and the Cure. So, judges... Can Aubrey stay and, and help out with the guest hosting business? Okay. Congratulations, Aubrey. You can stay. <laughs> okay, Mike, you take the guest host chair over and take it away. All right. Well, I've got uh, several questions for you, Zabe. I, I kind of uh, went out of the bounds of your, I got a little few extra questions than you were asking, but uh, hopefully it'll be interesting for the audience to listen to these fun facts and bonus questions. Uh, it my, would not be a Gen X show if you follow the instructions, Mike. So I'm, <laughs> I wouldn't I expected this. Awesome. Well, so my first category is movies and it comes from the movie, The River Wild. Uh, did you ever see that movie, Zabe? I'll do you one better. I've never even heard of this movie. You've never heard of the movie? <laughs> the River Wild? Yes. No, it sounds like something on PBS. No, it was released in 1994. So that qualifies, right? Sure. You you will understand why this qualifies as a Gen X. Okay. Uh, I trust movie. you, Mike. Okay. 37 years of friendship is on the line, but let's go for it. Okay. The River Wild is an intense action thriller released in 1994. The film follows the story of Gail Hartman, portrayed by Meryl Streep, an experienced whitewater rafter and former river guide. Gail plans to take her family on a thrilling rafting trip down a remote river in the rugged wilderness of Idaho. Now, however, their adventure takes an unexpected turn when they encounter two strangers on the river, Wade and Hank. The seemingly nice strangers turn out to be dangerous criminals on the run from the law and seeking an escape route through the wilderness. They force Gail to guide them through the treacherous river rapids, holding her family hostage to ensure her cooperation. Now for the question. Who are the actors who played the criminals, Wade and Hank? Hey, I was I was 21 in 1994. There is a 0% chance I'm watching a Meryl Streep whitewater rafting adventure movie. 0% chance. I don't know why you'd think I'd know anything about this movie. But, uh, okay, but every question must be given an answer. 
Who are the two yeah. actors that played in this movie? I've never heard of. That is the question. You've heard of these actors. You have heard of Okay, these I know two actors exist. That's correct. But uh I'll have to pick the two. Uh who would I most want to see Meryl Streep whitewater rafting with? That's the that's the uh thing I got to draw from. That's the only thing I can think of to say. Um Wade and Hank. Wade and Hank. Okay, Wade was played by Marlon Wayans <laughs> and Hank was played by Danny DeVito. Am I right? <laughs> that was that was pretty close, Zave. But Wade was played by Kevin Bacon. Every movie has Kevin Bacon in it. Come on. And and Hank was played by John C. Riley. Oh, I was I was really close. You were really close. Mike, if I get the question wrong, you gotta say, I'm sorry that's incorrect. Remember your game I'm show hope right now. Sorry that's incorrect. There we go. I, it was a great movie. You you've gotta see it, Zave, because it's a it's a good movie. It has Kevin Bacon in it. He's, okay. he's really, really good in this movie. Everything's better with bacon in it. Everything's better with bacon. Do you want the bonus question on this or should I move on? Oh, heavens yes. I would like the bonus question about a movie I've never heard of. All right. I've already forgotten who, who the answers were. <laughs> so, in, but, but for the audience, because I know there are many people out there who have seen this movie, mm -hmm. what is the fictional name of the section of river that they attempt to pass through during the climactic ending of the movie. The Serpent's the, Pass. The, the Serpent's Pass. <laughs> I appreciate that reference. I love that show. There's a Gen Z on here, so, so I got to throw out an Avatar Last Airbender reference. So, Is yes. it The Serpent's Pass? I am sorry, Zay, that is incorrect. Mm. Oh, 0 for 2. The correct answer is The Gauntlet. Oh, sure. Why not? So close. <laughs> All right, Zave. That was a tough one for you, I admit. But on this one is not multiple choice, but I think you'll have a shot to get it. Okay. Uh, this is a sporting category, sports category. So you should have a sporting chance. This is about, uh, this is basketball. So the 1980s marked a momentous era for the National Basketball Association. Emerging stars like Larry Bird, Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan. Notice who I put first, Larry Bird. The rivalry between Bird's Boston Celtics and Johnson's Los Angeles Lakers added an exciting narrative to the league, attracting unprecedented attention and turning games into must-watch events. With all of the fantastic players and legends of the NBA who dominated the sports landscape in the 1980s, can you name one of the top three scorers during this resurgent period of basketball. Who was the player that scored the most points during the 1980s? I have a real out-of-the-box answer for this. Yeah, you have to name, get one of the, if you get number three, it's good. You get the, you get it right. I want you to get one of the three top players. So this is a player that had good health, played a lot of games, with this high scoring average, and we're, we're talking total points. Total points. Okay, this is not an average thing. No, not points per game. Because this person did not have the highest points per game. If I can name all three, then I want points scored for the two questions I didn't get. I want enough. credit for getting that Meryl Streep river raft question right. You're way too confident. Okay, I'm probably okay. not correct. But let's okay. see here. I'm saying number three is... None other than Larry Bird, because I know that you are a big fan of Larry Bird. Okay. 
I'm saying number two is the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You have to score a lot of points in order to get set the all-time scoring record. So there's a lot of points. But my official answer, out of the box, Mr. Cornbread Earl and me himself, Alex English. <laughs> you are correct. Alex English is number one on the list. It's in the refrigerator, baby. The door is closed, the light's out, the eggs are cooled, and the butter's getting hard, and the jello is jiggling. Boom, baby. <laughs> the guy scored like 2,000 points like for seven consecutive seasons or something yep. like that. So the official stats, at least per Google, Alex English played 811 games and scored 21,018 points during the 80s. So are you impressed, Mike? I am extremely impressed. How are my you other did not two? get number two and three. Damn it. You actually got number four and five. Larry oh. Bird was number four and Kareem was number five. Okay. So Who's two and three? I got to know. Moses Malone was two and Adrian Dantley, number mm. three. So let me read six through 12 because okay. you got Larry Bird is four. Kareem is five. Reggie Theus is six. Dominic Wilkins is seven. Mark Aguirre is eight. Hmm. George Gervin surprise on the list for me is the nine Iceman. mike mitchell number 10 whoever mike mitchell is and uh robert Parrish was number 11 and number 12 magic johnson oh thanks for <laughs> including the magic man there for me mike you are welcome listeners despite mike being a boston celtic fan and me a diehard lakers fan we became best friends all the same during the 80s so yeah good job zane thanks well, now we've come to the part of the show, Zabe, where the Gen Z is going to take over and ask the next question. Okay, move out. This is my time <laughs> to shine. Okay, so since I've played maybe like a few arcade games in my life, I chose the arcade games question. Galaga is a 1981 fixed shooter arcade video game developed and published by Namco. In this classic arcade game, controlling a starship, the player is tasked with destroying the Galaga forces in each stage while avoiding enemies and projectiles. Galaga was actually a sequel to Namco's first successful arcade game, Can You Name the Game? Knowing that came out in 1981, you have to think of what game came out in 1980. And the biggest game of 1980 brought out from Namco would have to be the one and only Pac-Man. <laughs> that is incorrect. Damn it. <laughs> is it Galaxian? Oh, is it Galaxian? Yes, the correct answer is Galaxian. Damn it. Oh, Dave, why didn't you? Uh, you knew it. and you. Didn't I did know it. it, but yeah, I was thinking sequel as in the next big hit for Namco and not sequel as in the next chapter in the same kind of story <laughs> or universe that Galaxian took place in. My bad. I misunderstood the question. <laughs> All right, Zabe. Now, question number four, this is the moment you've been waiting for. Because, you know, growing up, you know, we always knew how much of a soccer fan you were. Incorrecto. Trying to get tickets to the North American Soccer League was like, I, I understand that was, you know, well, we won't talk about that episode in your life, Dave, because that was uh, pretty traumatic. But Mike. if you're going to save a generation, then you have to include all of that generation. That is why I'm including this question. The North American Soccer League was a professional soccer league that operated in the United States and Canada from 1968 to 1984. What more Generations X can you get than that, right? It played a pivotal role in popularizing soccer in North America. Don't laugh. It did a bad job of that. <laughs> 
and attracted global attention by bringing high-profile international players, most notably the legendary Brazilian forward Pele, RIP. Pele is widely regarded as one of the greatest footballers, as our two friends in Britain call them. He joined the NASL in 1975 at the age of 34, signing with the New York Cosmos. His arrival in the league was nothing short of a seismic event, igniting soccer frenzy across the continent, including in Southern California. Pele's presence brought credibility to the NASL, drawing large crowds and significant media coverage. So, Zabe, I am sure you would agree that Pele's magnetic personality and genuine love for the sport won over countless hearts, leaving an indelible mark on the sport's growth and popularity in North America. Are you going to read his entire wiki page or? <laughs> no, no, this is okay. ChatGPT. Come on. Oh, okay. My bad. Uh, so now, now my question to you, Zabe, is Pele scored over 1,200 goals in his illustrious career. Of the 1,200 goals which Pele scored in his career, how many of them did he actually score while playing for the New York Cosmos? All right. So this is a multiple choice question. I already know what number I'm going to pick, Mike, but go ahead and give me the multiple choice. Is it A, 37 goals, B, 74 goals, C is 112, and D is 69? 69, dudes! What is the correct answer? Before I say 69, I want to say (laughs) that, Mike, you know how much I love sports, so it's kind of a head-scratcher why you'd ask me a question about soccer. But I'm going to go with 69. That is incorrect. (laughs) The correct answer is A, 37 goals. Cool. (laughs) Good for Pele. The only thing I know about Pele is that they made an Atari game, Pele Soccer, and that's all I know about Pele other than, you know, he likes to run around and kick the ball. Awesome. Well, Zay, that that question was definitely for your audience. I know uh, how much you uh, do not enjoy watching the beautiful game, but uh, you know there are others out there that do. So I thought, hey, I got to include that in the uh, in the question list. Well, I hope our two British listeners enjoyed that question. I'm sure they did. Give us a call, two British listeners. Let us know how you like that soccer question. We're trying to make the show a little bit more for you. It wasn't a soccer question. It was a football question. Dave. We're going to talk about tea and crumpets in the next episode. So we'll we'll try and up the ante. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Speaking of Britons, after the breakup of the Smiths in 1987, Stephen Patrick Morrissey embarked on a successful solo career that is still going strongly today. What was the title? of Morrissey's debut solo album released in 1988. This is also a multiple choice. So your options are A, Bona Drag, B, Your Arsenal, C, Viva Hate, or D, Kill Uncle. Kill Uncle was his second release. So I'm going to go with Viva Hate. You would be correct. Word. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and then we have a little fun fact about the breakup of the Smiths is that... Hey, there's no fun facts about the Smiths breaking yeah, up, okay. but go ahead. Just listen. <laughs> Read the wiki page. <laughs> After the band disbanded in 1987, Morrissey and John Marr, the creative forces behind the group, reportedly didn't speak to each other for over two decades. Despite their incredible musical chemistry and successful collaboration during the Smiths' heyday, personal and creative differences led to a bitter rift between them. However, in 2008, during an awards ceremony, Morrissey and John Marr 
Johnny. You have to say Johnny. Johnny Marr. <laughs> I just ditched the NY. Okay. Morrissey and Johnny Marr seemingly ended their longstanding feud by embracing each other on stage. This unexpected reunion brought joy to fans around the world, reigniting hopes for a potential musical collaboration between the two. While they haven't reunited musically, this momentous gesture provided a glimmer of hope that time can heal old wounds and mend friendships, even in the world of music and rock and roll. <laughs> Very nice. Now that uh, Andy Rourke has passed away, I don't think there's going to be a reunion, but um, it'd be nice yeah. to see Moz and Mar back together and do, do a little something. That'd be great. That would be. That would be. It might get a lot of people to forgive Morrissey for being an old curmudgeon these days. He's really burned a lot of bridges with his fans, but you know, you kind of got to know what you're getting into if you become a Morrissey fan. Oh, hundred percent. hundred percent. We've got uh, a bonus question if you want it, or we, uh, we can end it there. What, what do you, what do you want? What's my score? Was anyone keeping Uh, score? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, why not? Let's ask the bonus question and let's see what happens. (laughs) All right, here we go. Bonus question. Politics. Oh, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. If you don't get this, Dave, you are not. Meryl Streep, soccer and politics? You kidding me? (laughs) Nope. Love it. All right. (laughs) Hey, you know, I'm just trying to give the whole range, right? You you certainly did give it the whole range, Mike. (laughs) I'm trying trying to give something for everybody. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. Aubrey and Mike, thanks so much for sitting in on this episode and guest hosting. I will gladly take back now the hosting responsibilities, but I'm thankful that we did get to mix it up and have some different kind of topics than we normally do besides just movies and music and television. So I really do appreciate that, Mike and Aubrey. Thanks so much for bringing a little different flavor to the episodes. All right. Awesome. Hey, Zabe, it was fun to be here. Aubrey, do you enjoy your time? Kind of. I was zoning out for most of the time. You guys are old. (laughs) So that shows the difference between Gen Z and Gen X. You said kind of. We would would have just said whatever. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, Dave. I weep for the future. The last segment of the challenging stage is to give answers to the power struggle from past shows. The power struggle we're going to solve was featured in last year's Christmas special, which was episode 30, Shauna versus Jason, You'll Shoot Your Eye Out, Polly. Don't worry, I'll clean it up for you, Polly. In the episode, we had a power struggle question, and it sounded just like this. Don't let me see another toy, or you will feel my boot. Not a finger! Well, sir, someday I'd like to be a, a dentist. Okay, let's reveal the answers now. Clip one is from A Charlie Brown Christmas. Clip two was Santa Claus is Coming to Town, the Rankin-Bass claymation special. Clip three was from A Christmas Story. Clip four was from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, another Rankin-Bass claymation special. And finally, clip five was the charity supergroup Band-Aid, and the song was Do They Know It's Christmas? We will reveal more Power Struggle answers in future episodes of The Challenging Stage. 
Before we leave, I would like to give a quick shout out to a listener who gave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts. Listener Ahsoka Sapphire writes, As a cusp millennial, there are a lot of my upbringing that is heavily influenced by Gen X. I really enjoy the way this podcast hits the nostalgic feels. The well-placed and selected sound bites make the feels that much more impactful. The vibes are lighthearted and fun. I definitely recommend a listen and subscribe. Thanks, Asofa Sapphire. It's nice to know our millennial brothers and sisters enjoy the show. Reviews like this really help others find the podcast, so please spread the word about the show, and your review might end up on an episode just like this one was. We look forward to reading what you think about the show. Thanks so much. Well, that's it for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We welcome you to contact us and let us know what you think about the podcast. We want this show to be something that you really enjoy and your feedback is essential for us to get it right. If you write to us, we promise to write you back and we can discuss how we can improve the show. But until then, thanks for checking out the podcast. We welcome you to share it with that special Gen Xer in your life and subscribe to the show for future episodes where we will once again ask the question, who will save Generation X? Later. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.